Let's read together Joshua chapter 18. Now in this chapter, we have the setting up of the tabernacle at Shiloh and the boundaries for the territory of the tribe of Benjamin. Let's start by reading the first 10 verses of this chapter. Joshua 18, verse 1. Now the whole congregation of the children of Israel assembled at Shiloh and set up the tabernacle of meeting there. And the land was subdued before them. But there remained among the children of Israel seven tribes which had not yet received their inheritance. Then Joshua said to the children of Israel, How long will you neglect to go and possess the land which the Lord God of your fathers has given you? Pick out from among you three men for each tribe, and I will send them. They shall rise and go through the land, survey it according to their inheritance, and come back to me. And they shall divide it into seven parts. Judah shall remain in their territory on the south, and the house of Joseph shall remain in their territory on the north. You shall therefore survey the land in seven parts and bring the survey here to me, that I may cast lots for you here before the Lord our God. But the Levites have no part among you, for the priesthood of the Lord is their inheritance. And Gad, Reuben, and the half-tribe of Manasseh have received their inheritance beyond the Jordan on the east, which Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave them. Then the men arose to go away, and Joshua charged those who went to survey the land, saying, Go walk through the land, survey it, and come back to me, that I may cast lots for you here before the Lord in Shiloh. So the men went, passed through the land, and wrote the survey in a book in seven parts by cities. And they came to Joshua at the camp in Shiloh. Then Joshua cast lots for them in Shiloh before the Lord, and there Joshua divided the land to the children of Israel according to their divisions. Now from verse 11 to the end of the chapter, we have the boundaries for the tribe of Benjamin. We won't read all of these verses with all the names of cities and locations. Let's just read verses 11 and 12 and then the last verse. Now the lot of the tribe of the children of Benjamin came up according to their families, and the territory of their lot came out between the children of Judah and the children of Joseph. Their border on the north side began at the Jordan, and the border went up to the side of Jericho on the north, and went up through the mountains westward. It ended at the wilderness of Beth-Avon. And then the end of verse 28, this was the inheritance of the children of Benjamin according to their families. Let's begin our study of Joshua chapter 18 now with some background notes. In verse 1, we read that the children of Israel set up the tabernacle at Shiloh. All during the wilderness wanderings of the children of Israel, the tabernacle was set up in the midst of the congregation. When the people moved, the tabernacle moved. When the children of Israel crossed over the Jordan River and came into the land, they set up the tabernacle at Gilgal. This was their base camp for the conquest. Now that the land was conquered, the tabernacle is moved to Shiloh. This would be more in the center of the land for easier access. The site of ancient Shiloh can be visited even to this day. One of the first things that Israel did once the tabernacle was set up at Shiloh was to divide up the rest of the land among the seven tribes that still had no assigned tribal territory. So we see in verse 3, Joshua rebuked the children of Israel for their procrastination. Verse 3, once again, Then Joshua said to the children of Israel, How long will you neglect to go and possess the land which the Lord God of your fathers has given you? You see a lesson here already for us. Perhaps the Lord would rebuke us for 
neglecting to fully possess the spiritual land that he's given us. To possess that land of spiritual blessings and be more victorious in the spiritual battles that we fight. We see here that Joshua sent out a surveying team consisting of three men from each of the seven tribes. These 21 representatives divided up the remaining land into seven equal shares determined by water supply, arable land, defensible positions, etc., etc. Then the seven tribes chose lots for these territories. Now, we don't know the exact mechanics of this drawing of lots. Jewish tradition says that they took two urns and put the territories in one urn and the names of the tribes in the other urn, and then the high priest drew a territory and a tribe from each urn. We don't know for sure, but in any case, regardless of the mechanism of drawing lots, it's easy to see how God controlled the division of the land. Remember, Proverbs 16.33 says, The lot is cast into the lap, but its every decision is of the Lord. More we could say on the background, but let's move now to our doctrinal teaching points. Doctrinal point number one, worship should have a central place in the believer's life. Worship should have a central place in the believer's life. Verse one again, now the whole congregation of the children of Israel assembled together at Shiloh and set up the tabernacle of meeting there. The tabernacle was the focal point of Israel's worship of the Lord. The tabernacle was where the sacrifices took place. The tabernacle contained the Holy of Holies, where the blood of the atoning sacrifice was taken once a year and placed on the mercy seat of the Ark of the Covenant in order to maintain the relationship between a holy God and a sinful people. Thus, the tabernacle was where God dwelt amongst his people. Here we see that the tabernacle was set up in the center of the land at Shiloh. And the tabernacle would remain at this central location in the heart of the land for over 300 years, all during the time of the judges, until the time of Samuel. Now, do you see the spiritual lesson? A top priority for Israel as they became established in the land was to have a central place of worship. Worship was central to their lives. In the same way, worship should have a central place in the believer's life. Psalm 95, verses 6 and 7. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker, for He is our God. In John 4, verse 23, we read that the Father is seeking true worshipers. Let me ask you this morning. Does worship have a central place in your life? It should. You know, it's great to be involved in Christian service. But the best and purest kind of Christian service come from believers who take time to worship the Lord. This is true for believers individually and for believers collectively. That's why we had a worship service earlier this morning where we remembered the Lord in the celebration of the Lord's Supper. That's worship. Let me ask you, is celebrating the Lord's Supper important to you? Worship should have a central place in the believer's life. Doctrinal point number two. Life's major decisions should be made before the Lord. Life's major decisions should be made before the Lord. In verse 6, Joshua said to the representatives from the seven tribes, which still needed territories, You shall therefore survey the land in seven parts 
and bring the survey here to me that I may cast lots for you here before the Lord our God. These were major decisions. These decisions would greatly affect not only the tribe's location in the land, but much of their future history as well. No wonder these decisions would be made before the Lord at the tabernacle. Let me ask you, do you make your major decisions in life before the Lord? You know, all of our decisions should be made before the Lord. But for the little ones, we use the common sense that God has given us. Call it sanctified common sense. But for the major decisions in life, like whether or not to be married, or who to marry, and what college or university to attend, well, that's an easy one. Emmaus Bible College, of course. <laughs> or what career to enter. Or when to make a job change. Or what home to buy. Or what town to live in. Or what church to attend. Or when is it time to possibly start a new church. Or change churches. Etc., etc. There are major decisions in life. And they should be made before the Lord. How do you make major decisions in life before the Lord? Well, number one, you pray. God promises to guide us in making life's decisions. So pray on that basis. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't depend on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. And certainly, number two would be to know the word of God. The Lord will never guide you in decision-making contrary to his word. The Lord's will is never to cheat, for example, on tests, on income tax returns, etc., etc. Cheating is never in line with God's word. And a career that is dishonoring to the Lord is never his will. You know, I just had a former student ask me not too long ago, Dr. Dave, would it be all right to take this good-paying job at a casino because I'll be able to give more money to the Lord? A career that's involved in getting people to gamble or whatever is never in line with the Word of God. God doesn't need some more money. So in life's major decisions, jobs, careers, whatever, you always pray that there's no decision going to be made contrary to the teaching of God's word. There are other factors, of course, that come into making decisions before the Lord. Circumstances, for example, would be another factor. As God sovereignly controlled the drawing of lots, so God can sovereignly control circumstances to help us make decisions. God can open doors. God can close doors. Illustration. You know, when I made the major decision in life to leave secular employment, and go into the Lord's work full-time. God certainly opened some doors, and he closed other doors. So God does use circumstances in helping us make life's major decisions. But still, I would say the two big factors are praying and knowing the principles of God's word. This is what it means to make decisions before the Lord. Life's major decisions should be made before the Lord. Practical application. Remember, good things can come in small packages. Remember, good things can come in small packages. Now, I think we've all had at least one experience that proves this statement, right? Maybe even this year at Christmas. Well, where do we see this lesson taught in this chapter? 
We see it in the tribal territory allotted to Benjamin here in verses 11 through 28. Benjamin was one of the smallest tribes and territories. It was stuck right between the two major tribes of Ephraim on the north and Judah on the south. In fact, Benjamin would become like a buffer zone between Ephraim and Judah. But good things come in small packages. Benjamin was in the heart of the land, and this was choice real estate. Notice from verse 28 that Jerusalem was one of the cities given to Benjamin. Jerusalem would become the capital of the nation. The temple eventually would be there in Jerusalem. Saul, the first king of Israel, would come from the little tribe of Benjamin. And so would the Apostle Paul. Do you see the application? Maybe some of you feel this morning like you're a small package, like the tribe and territory of Benjamin. You don't have any big upfront spiritual gift or talent. Hey, listen, be encouraged. Listen to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 22. Those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. Notice, necessary. Maybe you're only a peacemaker. Only a peacemaker? That's choice territory in the heart of the land and necessary for establishment in the land. Remember, good things can come in small packages.